This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, maliki wa middin. Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-alayhi al-azim. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hal uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. اللهم لا سهر إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأن تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين. We are continuing our التفسير of سورة البقرة and last week we read verse one hundred and sixty four. Which spoke about some of the signs that show us who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and why He is worthy of our worship. The last two ayats, starting from Wailahukum ilahum wahid, La ilaha illahu ar Rahman ar Rahim, inna fi khalqi samawati wal ardi bukhtilafi, layli wal nahari wal fulki la tajri fi al bahri, ila akhir ayah. These two verses, the first one tells us who Allah is and, and He is the one worthy of worship. Wailahukum ilahun wahid, the one worthy of worship. The one that deserves your devotion, the one that deserves your attention, the one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah alone. And we mentioned that this was the uh, main central message of all the messengers and the main central message of our Prophet sallallahu is to direct the people away from the worship of others to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Now, this is something that was strange to the Meccans it was perhaps strange to many people that were polytheistic, but then nonetheless the Prophet would always bring this message of only one person is worthy of worship. And this message that only one is worthy of worship is not one that is just an emotional message, it is one that is based on sound reasoning. You should worship and be grateful to the one who gave you, the one who created you, the one who gave us everything that we are thankful for, which is why the verse that we done last week was all about that that the creations of the heaven and the earth, the alteration between the day and the night, the ships that sail in the ocean and, and carry that which is beneficial to the people, the rain that Allah descends, that descends from the skies, uh, and then the earth that uh, provides its vegetation and fruits, the winds and the clouds and everything in it, everything are signs to show you the one worthy of worship. This is not something that was done by a prophet. This is not something done by an idol. Not something done by a statue. Not so, it was Allah Almighty. Thus, He is deserving of our ibadah. He should be worshipped. Now, and then Allah ends that ayah with, لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْقِلُونَ These things that were mentioned are signs to those that have intellect. Those that use their minds. And here you learn something, ikhwani wa akhwati fi Allah, brothers and sisters, that the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often mentioned that the Qur'an is a message to those who apply their intellect, those that think and ponder, and not those that close their minds off. You're invited to think, you're invited to look into the truth. Anyone that sincerely does so will be guided. And it also shows you that the evidence that was given in the previous ayah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that did all of this, thus we should be grateful for him, we are grateful for him through our worship, is one that anyone who is using his intellect can understand. Sadly, not everyone does. Not everyone understands Allah's right to be worshipped. 
not everyone understands Allah is the one that has given us everything that we have and thus we should be grateful. And this ayah that we're doing tonight, inshallah ta'ala, or the ayats are talking about that. Because the ayah is telling you about those that have aqal will be able to understand Allah should be worshipped. How about those that don't apply the intellect? How about those that don't apply the intellect? Where do they end up? Allah says, Allah said, even so, there are some who choose to worship others besides Allah. There are those who choose to worship others besides Allah as rivals to Him. So, then you have those people that give Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala competitors and rivals in their worship and in their devotion and in their love. And they love those idols, they love those competitors, they love those equals that they gave to Allah like their love of Allah or like the Muslims love Allah. There are two tafsir in this ayah. What you will learn sometimes, ikhwani wa akhwati fillah, is that sometimes certain ayat, they, uh, depending on how it's read, you get two conclusions or two tafsirs. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, among the people are those that give Allah equals, and they love those equals like they love Allah. Among the people are those that give Allah rivals, and they love those rivals like they love Allah. So here, it is mentioned that they do love Allah, but they also love their andad, those that they worship besides Him. So they are doing shirk, they are giving Allah associates in their what? In their, in their love. Meaning, yes, I love Jesus Christ. I love God Almighty. I love my idol. I also love Allah. This is what? This is doing shirk in your mahabba. Shirk in your love. Is that acceptable? No. We should have a love for Allah alone, of course. And we'll discuss the types of love that exist uh, in a second. So, this tafsir mentions, or this reading of the ayah is saying that the ayah is speaking about one group of people. They love their idols, those that they put rivals onto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like they love Allah. Which is why sometimes they call upon those, and sometimes they call upon Allah. Like you had with Quraysh. Quraysh in times of ease, when things were fine, they would call upon their idols. But when they're in danger, they would call upon Allah. So sometimes calling upon their idols, sometimes calling upon Allah, this is shirk. This is the definition of shirk. When you give that which belongs to Allah to others. And this is what they're doing. And then Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا As for those who believe, أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ Their love for Allah is stronger because their love for Allah is tawheed. They only devote themselves to Allah. They only worship Allah. So here's a distinction between the mushrikeen and the mu'mineen. The mushrikeen, they associate partners with Allah whom they devote themselves to love and call upon. The believers, they only do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another reading of this verse is, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا 
And from amongst the people are those that give Allah equals and rivals. يُحِبُّونَهُمْ They love those rivals. كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ أَيْ كَحُبِّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ لِلَّهِ Like the believers love Allah. So here, they have completely no love for Allah whatsoever. They are involved in their idols and they are so attached to them. It is similar to how the believers are attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one, verse, one, one reading of the ayah, it admits that there is some attachment to Allah, but they associate partners with Allah, which makes them mushriks. Or they have no attachment to Allah whatsoever. Rather, they love their idols. They love whatever they worship to the level that believers kahubillah. And then rather, Rather, the believers love Allah more than these people love their idols. Right? So Allah is describing how much the believers love Allah as opposed to how much the mushrikeen love their idols. Now why is this important, ikhwani fillah? Uh, whichever reading you took, both are tafsirs that are mentioned by the scholars of tafsir, like Tabari ibn Kathir and others. And in any case, it solidifies one fact, which is what distinguishes the faithful, the believers, from the mushrikeen. That we understand that that which is deserving of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, we only give it to Allah. And this is the definition of tawheed. That which belongs to Allah should be given to Allah. And there is a type of love. Because this verse mentioned love, hub. Hub, ikhwani fillah, is an act of worship in this context. And it doesn't, and um, acts of worship can be split into things that we do by action, like a prayer and the hajj. And then there are acts of worship that happen in the heart. Your belief is in your heart. Your piety is in your heart. Your love is also in your heart. Now the concept of loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does that mean? It is uh, something that we all have to ask ourselves. Do we love our creator? Do we love Allah Almighty? And there are different types of love and different reasons for loving. For example, you have uh, what is called al-hub al-fitri, which is natural love. And natural love is the love of a mother to her child. It's very natural. It's innate almost. You can't help yourself but love your child, parents generally. Um, then you have, for example, the love between, uh, 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 for example, um, uh, people that love each other romantically, wife and husband, right? This is a different type of love. And in fact, in the Arabic language, they all have different names, right? This one is called ishq. Then you have the love, for example, even hub uh, mushakala is an interesting one. People that they tend to love one a people that are in the similar field as them. You feel a certain attachment to those that do the same thing that you do, right? They say the khayat loves the khayatin. The tailor likes tailors, and the sportsmen like the sports people. And they, this is a level of like we, we we tend to group one another, and you have that attachment. These there are different types of attachments you will make throughout your life, right? And then there's hubul ihsan. You love those that do good to you. Ahsin ila nasi qulubahum. Uh, do good unto the people and you will get their hearts. Meaning what? If someone does you a favor, you don't forget it. You like that person. Imagine someone did you a huge favor. You always talk about it. You will mention that person helped me that day and you will find yourself being in touch with that person. Next time you see him, just by seeing him, you have a smile on your face. Isn't that correct? So there's a type of love that comes from ihsan, from doing good to others, which is why the Prophet ﷺ said, تَهَادُوا تَهَابُوا 
give each other gifts, you will love one another. Right? Give each other gifts, you will love one another. And this is a sunnah that we have to apply, uh, that we, we should give each other, we, we should gift each other, we should host each other, we should be kinder to each other, and this will create a sense of love within the community. Our love for Allah is a love of ibadah. In the end of the day, what is the result of love? Devotion, loyalty, attachment, right? There can be none that you're devoted to more than Allah. You live, literally live for Allah. You hope to die for Allah. Nothing is more important in your life than your creator. This is the hope that we're talking about, right? Um, your mother or Allah, Allah. Your child or Allah, Allah. Yourself or Allah, Allah comes first. Nothing comes before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is hope. And it is something we should strive to get. And there's an ayah in the Quran that tests your love. There's an ayah in the Quran that puts to test your love of Allah. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ This is known as Ayatul Mihna, the ayah of the test. قُلْ Say to them, إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُونَ اللَّهِ If you truly love Allah, if you truly love Allah, then do the following. فَاتَّبِعُونِي Prove it by following the Prophet ﷺ. Doing ittiba' Follow the Prophet and this will prove your love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Follow the Prophet in believing in him. Follow the Prophet in his actions. Follow the Prophet in his sunnah. Live the way he lived. Do what he did. Say what he said. Follow the Prophet And this will prove that you love Allah. And as a result of you following the Prophet, you will get that which we all want. Allah. Allah will love you. It isn't about you loving Allah, it is about Allah loving you. It isn't about you loving, meaning what? Your goal isn't, of course, the way you get there is by, by having love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what, where you want to get to is when Allah loves you. Now imagine when the creator of the heavens and the earth, Allah Almighty, loves you. This is where you want to get to. And wh- how do you get to that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمٍ يُحِبُّهُمْ Allah mentions that if we don't follow the deen, if we leave it, if we don't act upon it, Allah will bring about people that will do follow the deen, does act upon it. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love, though He will bring about people who He loves and they love Him. Right? So there's a connection there. The more you love Allah, Allah will what? Love you. And when Allah loves you, like Allah promised, فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتَهُ When I love, when I love my servant, كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ وَبَصَرَهُ الَّذِي يُبْصِرُ بِهِ وَيَدَهُ الَّذِي يَبْتِشُ بِهَا وَرِجُهُ الَّذِي يَمْشِي بِهَا وَلَإِنْ سَأَلَنِي لَأُعْطِيَنَّهُ وَلَإِنْ إِسْتَعَادَنِي لَأُعِيذَنَّهُ The famous hadith, the hadith al-Qudsi, where the wali is described. There's a hadith that describes the wali, um, the, the saint, the one who has reached a level where they are truly close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's levels and steps towards it. And this hadith starts with, um, Allah says, Whoever shows animosity, whoever fights against one of my awliya, those are close to Allah, 
then Allah said, I will announce war against that person. So be careful. Never be at odds with one who is close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lest you become amongst those whom Allah announced, فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ right. I have announced I am at war with that person. Who can tell me a sin in the Quran where Allah announced war against that person? Riba, barakallahu feekum, riba. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about how you become a wali. And the beginning, the first step is, وَلَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ عَفْوًا When Allah said, وَمَا تَقَرَّبِ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا فَرَطْتُهُ عَلَيْهِ There is nothing, Allah is speaking, it's Hadith Qudsi, so Allah is speaking. There is nothing that my servant does that is more beloved to me than those things that I have made obligatory upon him. So what are those things that Allah made obligatory upon us? What comes first to mind? Which salas? The five daily prayers. What else? What else comes to mind? That's obligatory. Fasting Ramadan. What else? Zakat. These are obligatory actions. So what do you learn there? What is the most beloved thing that Allah would want you to do? The obligations. So the five daily prayers are more beloved than Qiyamul Layl, than fasting Ramadan is more beloved than fasting Thursdays and Mondays. Okay. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ Then my servant does not try and get closer to me. So this is a journey where you are trying to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a journey. And you're getting closer to Allah with what? nawafil, By those things that are recommended, that are extra. Give me an example of those. If hajj is wajib, it would be a, a, a nafila hajj. Doing it again and again, year after year, even though you don't have to, right? Um, praying your sunnas, your ratib, giving sadaqah rather than zakat. If you do those two things, you keep on doing them. Until I love him. Allah says, until I love him. And when I love him, Allah says, I will be the hearing which he hears by, the sight which he sees by, the hand which he grabs with. Meaning what? Everything this person does, what you hear, what you see, what you do, it will all be that which is in accordance to what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will be protected from sin. If you fall into it, you will be guided to repentance. You will be protected. You will get divine protection by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you do those two things. What are the two things if you summarize them? First, do the obligations. Follow up with what? With all the nafilas and the sunnas. And then Allah rewards you with the following. This person who did that, the person who did their obligations, and then added their recommended acts, right? And do this often and constantly until Allah loves them. When you get there, Allah said, if he asks me, I will give. وَلَئِنْ سَأَلَنِي لَوْعْطِيَنَّ وَلَئِنْ اسْتَعَاذَنِي لَوْعِيذَنَّ Another way, وَلَئِنْ اسْتَغْفَرْلِي لَأَغْفِرُ And if the person asking forgiveness, I will forgive them. If the person asks me, I will give them. This is, this is the benefits of loving Allah. Does that make sense? So, the believers love Allah. Let's go back to the ayah. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا And from the people are those that give Allah equals. Giving Allah equals is shirk. There is a hadith of Ibn Mas'ud where the Prophet was asked, Abdullah uh, ibn Mas'ud said, Ya Rasulullah, what is the worst sin? And the Prophet said, أَن تَجْعَلَ لِلَّهِ نِدًّا To give Allah an equal. To give Allah an equal. Literally, when you read the Quran, I mean, Surah Al-Baqarah, I mentioned this a few times, I think. When you read the Quran, from the Fatiha onwards, you, start, you read Fatiha, you, read, you start reading Surah Al-Baqarah, the second surah. As you go along, verse 21 of Surah Al-Baqarah is where you come across the first commandment. The first Amr. The first time Allah tells us to do something. So the first 21 verses of Baqarah, 
and the seven ayat of Fatiha, there is no command in them. At verse 21, Allah commands us something. The first thing Allah tells us to do. And what is it? Ya nas, u'budu rabbakum. O you, O, ma, o mankind, worship your Lord. Right? So the first commandment is a commandment of worship. What is the first prohibition that you come across? The first don't. There's a loads of things in the Quran we're not supposed to do. Allah tells us don't do riba, don't kill, don't harm, don't... Many things, right? What is the first prohibition mentioned in the Quran when you read it from Fatiha? فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا Literally the same way. فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا And do not give Allah equals or rivals or competitors in your ibadah, in your devotion, in your love. This is the main message of Islam. This is the main message of all the prophets. A message warning against shirk and a call to us to heed. Right? أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ Worship Allah alone and leave off ta'ud. Ta'ud is everything that is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we have people who do this. They take equals besides Allah. And, not, and they take these equals. يُحِبُّونَهُمْ Then they love these equals. Like the believers love Allah. As for those who believe, أَشَدُّ حُبًّا They have more love for Allah than their love for the idols. You know what the proof of that is? Like imagine someone that worships, uh, when Allah talks about, for example, the Quraysh. It's very interesting really, if you think about their psychology. The Quraysh. They fought the Prophet against the idea of worshipping Allah alone. They were adamant on deifying and worshipping Allah, Al-Uzza, Al-Manat, and the other idols. But Allah mentioned in the Quran, فَإِذَا رُكِبُوا فِي الْفُلْكِ دَعَوُوا اللَّهَ مُخْرِسِينَ لَهُ دِينَ فَلَمَّا نَجَاهُمْ لِلْبَرِّ إِذَا هُمْ Right? Uh, Allah mentions that when they are in danger, and the, the example Allah gives is when they are in the ocean, and they are in danger, and they are scared, they only they, they they single out Allah in their dua. So the whole time they were calling upon their false gods, but the moment they are in danger, they call upon Allah. Right. So are they sincere to their idols, or when the when it gets tough, they go back to Allah? When they when it gets tough, they go back to Allah. So they're not sincere to their own idols. That which they decided to fight the Prophet against, that which they decided to make it their religion. Their idols, they're not even sincere to them because when things get tough, they go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And when things are easy, they go back to their idols. The believers, do they do this? Or whether in times of ease and in difficulty, they go back to Allah? So the love of the believers for Allah and the devotion they have for Allah is more purer than the love of the disbelievers they have for their idols. Does that make sense? Tayyib. Then Allah describes the consequences of those that didn't take heed, did not look into the signs, did not use their intellect, gave Allah equals and rivals, committed the worst sin possible. What are the consequences of their actions? But the believers have greater love for God. If only the mushrikeen, if only those that committed shirk could see, as they will see when they face the torment, right? When they see the punishment. So what will happen? Allah is describing the scenario in Day of Judgment. Now in dunya, they did their shirk, they gave Allah rivals, they didn't care, they didn't, they didn't listen to the prophets. And if you could only see those that committed dhulm, those that committed dhulm and injustice, the Arabic word dhulm in Arabic means 
to place something where it doesn't belong. Zulm means Now a lot of times Allah uses this term zulm, which is usually translated as oppression or injustice. Now oppression at the end of the day is when you place something where it doesn't belong, right? For example, when you're supposed to honor this person and you, you remove that honor and you didn't do it. Or for example, when you uh, give someone something it doesn't belong to them. Right? This is an oppression. Right? Uh, there are many forms of oppression. When ibadah, love, devotion belongs to Allah, when you place it in the creation, this is a form of zulm, which is why Allah says in the Quran, Inna shirka la adim. Indeed, shirk is a great injustice. So as for those who committed wrong, who committed injustice, if you could only see them, when they see the punishment, they come to the realization, Inna al-quwwata lillahi jami'a. The truly all power belongs to Allah. So what happened to those things that you're worshipping? What happened to your false gods? On the day of judgment, they, they will realize the quwa, the strength and the power belongs to who? Allah. And they will also realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is severe in his punishment. Then Allah described the relationship between the people that commit shirk or that commit kufr. And you always have the leaders and the followers. Always. In fact, it's human nature to have leaders and followers. And we follow our leaders, which are the prophets and the righteous. And the people that fall into shirk, they follow their leaders. So what will the relationship be between the trendsetters and the, the, the followers and the leaders? Allah said, إِذْ تَبَرَّأَ الَّذِينَ اتُّبِعُوا مِنَ الَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوا وَرَأَوُ الْعَذَابَ وَتَقَطَّعَتْ بِهِمُ الْأَسْبَابِ When those who have been followed, those who have been followed, i.e. the leaders, when the leaders uh, disown their followers, on the day of judgment, those that were the heads of falsehood will disown their followers. Starting with Shaitan. In Surah Ibrahim, Allah talks about a khutbah Shaitan delivers from Jahannam. Where he says, uh, you, you responded to my call. I didn't force you. Right? And Allah mentions many times in the Quran that the people, that the leaders of falsehood, those that convince people to commit haram, those that convince people to commit shirk, that they will say in the end of the day, it's all everyone to himself. And in fact, they will disown themselves from those that they've misguided. And when the resurrection happens, they will be enemies to each other. And they will <coughs> deny the worship that they've done or what they call them towards. So Allah is saying that the people who were followed, the leaders of falsehood, will disown those that followed them when they all see the punishment and the suffering. And that will be a day when all bonds between them are severed. When all bonds between them are severed. Here you learn, something very important. Think about this. Those that followed Abu Jahl, those that followed Fir'aun, those that followed all of these people, these wicked people, these evil people, their followers. Allah mentioned them in the Quran, Ala Fir'aun, right? The followers of the people of evil. On their judgment, will they do anything for them? Will they save them? No, rather they will disown them. Now what will happen to the followers of the prophets? Doesn't the prophet do shafa'a for us? Doesn't the prophet try everything in his power to save all of his ummah? This is the difference between following the messengers and following those that call to us haram and evil. When you follow the messengers, they will save you, guide you in dunya, and in akhirah, they will make shafa'ah for you, as opposed to the evildoers. 
يتبرع الذين تبعوا من الذين تبعوا ورأوا العذاب وتقطعت بهم الأسباب. Then Allah said, وقال الذين تبعوا. So now Allah say the followers said. So those that followed. And here you learn something else, إخواني في الله. The idea of blind following. Blind following is not recommended in Islam. It's called تقليد الأعمى. تقليد الأعمى. Blind following. You are encouraged to ponder, to think, to 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 understand the message, right? Um, and one of the signs of the people of falsehood is that they just take what they're told, without thinking about it, without pondering over it, without understanding it. This is not an Islamic concept, right? And this is a common misconception. Just 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 believe and be quiet. No, understand. Allah speaks to the to 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 the ul albab ul alqul liqaumin yaqilun, right? Those that use their mind, those that think. So here, these people they followed people, and now they're being disowned, saying, "I got nothing to do with that." And there will be a lot of that happening in the day of By the way, even Prophet Isa, there's a whole ayah dedicated to him disowning those that deified him, and he's upon the haq. I've never told them to call me God. He will say, Oh Allah, I've never told them, except that what you told me to tell them, which is to worship Allah, to worship Allah alone. Rabbi, my Lord, Rabbukum, your Lord. So Prophet Isa will disassociate himself with those that, that followed him. And the, the, the shaitan will disassociate himself with those that followed him. But the shaitan is, 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 is going to be in the hellfire. Because he did try to, to, to mislead the people. But you are told by Allah, and constantly in the Quran, don't follow the shaitan. Follow the prophets. So an individual who follows the people of falsehood doesn't have an excuse. If someone brings some alcohol at the back and says, come on guys, let's drink. At the end of the day, I have agency. If I go and drink, I can't say, yeah, you brought it here, it's your fault. Will he be sinful for facilitating? Yes. Will I be sinful for drinking? Of course. So those that call towards shirk, they will have the sin of doing the shirk and calling towards it. But anyone that did shirk out of their own accord, will they be exempt? No, because they had agency. They chose to do it. So, what do the followers of the people of falsehood say? The fans, the followers, what do they say? وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوا لَوْ أَنَّ لَنَا كَرَّهُ لَوْ أَنَّ لَنَا كَرَّهُ They will say, if only we had one last chance. فَنَتَبَرَّأُ مِنْهُمْ كَمَا تَبَرَّأُ مِنَّا And we would disown them. If we could only go back to dunya, so that we can disown the people we followed, like they disown us on their judgment. But will they be able to go back? كَلَّا وَاللَّهِ They won't be able to go back. And then Allah says, كَذَلِكَ يُرِيهِمُ اللَّهُ أَعْمَالَهُمْ حَسَرَاتٍ عَلَيْهِمْ And just like that, Allah will make them see their deeds as a source of constant regret. Hasarat. The word hasara is that which causes you regret and remorse. Allah didn't say hasara, hasarat. Many regrets. They will be constantly regretting their decisions. Why are they regretting their decisions? Because their decisions led them to the hellfire. كَذَلِكَ يُرِيهِمُ اللَّهُ Allah, just like that, will show them their deeds and they will only give them bitter regret. Hasarat alayhim. And then Allah said, why is it showing them bitter regrets? They will not be leaving the hellfire. They will not be leaving the hellfire because they died upon shirk. And if you die upon shirk, you will stay in the hellfire forever. Right? And this is the danger. This is being warned against. And this is what we're being taught. No matter what you do, the one unforgivable sin, if you die upon it, is shirk. 
everything else Allah forgives. Meaning what? A lot of people, they, 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 they misunderstand this. If a person commits shirk, do they have salvation? Yes or no? No? They, 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 it is possible that they can be saved if they repent from it, as long as they're alive. The one who has no salvation is the one who dies upon shirk. That means you associate partners with Allah, you deify other than Allah, you worship other than Allah, and you died in that state. And you died in that state. If someone commits shirk and then repents from it, then they are forgiven. They are forgiven. So when Allah says, "Inna Allaha yaghfiru dhunuba jamia," Allah forgives all sins. Does that include shirk? Yes, in dunya. Allah forgives all sins if you seek forgiveness in dunya. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Allah does not forgive those that commit shirk. Allah does not forgive it when? If you, if you die upon it. So if you know someone that commits shirk today, it could be someone that worships Jesus Christ, Someone that worships Buddha, someone that does whatever, it could be an idol worshipper, whatever the case is. Do they have a chance for salvation? Of course they do. All they gotta do is what? Repent from it and become believers and sincerely worship Allah alone. Anyone that dies upon shirk after having understood the message of Tawheed, then those are the people that will not get salvation. And that's why Allah says, Wamahum bikharijina min nar, they will not be able to leave the hellfire. What's interesting here is they're complaining about each other. Oh, I wish I didn't follow you. Is it going to help them now? So this is why it's important that you choose who you're going to follow and you ensure that you follow those that will lead you on a path of righteousness. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhan nas, Allah calls all mankind. Ya ayyuhan nas. In the Quran, sometimes Allah speaks to all of mankind. Ya ayyuhan nas, all mankind. Sometimes Allah speaks to the believers only. Ya ayyuhan ladina amanu. Only one time you'll find the Quran, Ya ayyuhan ladina kafaru. Oh, you have disbelieved. Only one time I believed, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. In Surah 2, uh, Surah Tahrim. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O mankind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, People, O mankind, eat what is good, halal, and lawful. Good and lawful. Halal and tayyiban. And do not follow the footsteps of shaitan. Like the people we just spoke about. The ayat are always connected. So Allah is now telling us, don't follow the footstep of shaitan. Lest you end up like the people we just talked about, who were saying, if we had a chance and we would go back, we would disown them. But they can't go back. And they are regretful and they will never leave hellfire. Then Allah says, O you who believe, kulu bin eat from what is on the earth. As long as it's halalan tayyiban. As long as it's lawful and good. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا and do not follow خُطَوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ the steps of shaitan. Why? إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوبِينَ Indeed, he is a clear enemy to you. This verse is quite interesting, إخواني في الله, for the following reasons. One, Allah all of a sudden is talking about eating that which is halal. Why? Allah is teaching us something very important. Allah is the one worthy of worship. He has no equals. He has no equals in love. He has no equals in ibadah. He also has no equals in legislation. So who decides what's halal and haram? It's Allah. And it's something a lot of people don't understand. Right and wrong, halal and haram, good and bad, are decided by Allah. He is the one who legislates. And none has the right to legislate except Him. Right? So here Allah is saying, among His legislation is that everything on the ground is halal. 
the asal, the default position is that everything is halal except that which is haram. And Allah is saying, eat from the earth that which is halal and good. Now what's interesting is the scholars are trying to differentiate between halal and good. Halal and good, right? Halal and tayyib. What's the difference? The scholars, they say that something that is halal is something something that is halal can be not good, can be khabith. What's an example? Right. Eating rice, what's the hukum of it? Is it halal or haram? What's eating, the hukum of eating rice? Halal. What if I stole the rice? What does it become? Haram. So there are certain things that are halal within themselves, but can be haram. If you eat it in an unlawful manner. So when Allah is saying, eat that which is halal and tayyib, it means it must be halal within itself. So it can't be something like pork, it can't be something like alcohol, it can't be something like that. But it also has to be good, meaning it can't be stolen, it can't be robbed, it can't, it can't be something that you... Does that make sense? So if you go to the Morrisons and just grab everything that is halal, right? If, if you steal halal meat, it's haram. Does that make sense? <laughs> if you steal halal meat, it becomes haram for you, Right? Uh, so here Allah is telling us both. So eat what is halal and tayyib, and that's lawful. Uh, and this ayah, and the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, the beginning of it, Allah created everything on the earth for us, is in evidence to suggest the following statement. All that is on the earth is halal. Everything is halal, unless proven otherwise. So, if you come across something, a type of fruit, a type of, or, or, or a type of food, a type of animal, a type of... Uh, 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 something is it halal or haram? What is the default position? It's halal unless proven otherwise. So all beverages are halal except those that have been made haram, such as alcohol. Right? Does that make sense? So the, this this also shows you the mercy of Allah. There is a lot more halal than there is haram. Um, do not take the shaitan as an enemy. Do not take the, do, do not follow the footsteps of shaitan, for indeed he is an enemy. Uh, why are we told to not follow the footsteps of shaitan? Because the shaitan will lead us to a path that we will, we will regret And there will be a time that our regrets will not avail us Because we are in the day of judgment As long as you're in the dunya, choose who you follow And do not associate any partners with Allah in your worship and in your love And remember that the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something everyone can claim But there is an ayah in the Quran that puts that to test Who can tell him what that ayah is or what it says? فتبعوني. And what does that mean? If you love Allah, follow me. And as a result, when you follow the Prophet, what will happen? Allah will, will love you. May Allah make us among those that He loves. Also, uh, if you want to be among those that Allah loves, if you want Allah to love you, read the ayat where Allah says, Allah loves those types of people. Allah says in the Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهِ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ Allah loves those who often repent. So if you want Allah to love you, what do you do? Often? Repent. In Allah you Allah loves those that purify themselves, right? Uh, so you look at the at the uh, ayat where Allah mentions He loves those types of people and try to become more like them. And this is how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will love you. And if Allah loves you, you get all the benefits that we mentioned in the hadith earlier. I mentioned earlier that if someone dies upon shirk, then they have no salvation. Uh, if they rejected the message What if the message never reached them What if there are some people In the Amazonian jungle Who've never heard of Islam What if there were some people In the, in the, in the, in the early period That never heard of Islam uh, Those people are called Ahlul Fatrah 
and Allah will test them uh, on the judgment. Allah mentioned in the Quran a very important rule. وَمَا كُنَّا مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبْعَثَ رَسُولَهُ And we will not punish anyone who has not received the messenger. messenger. So if someone did not get the message, then they are not held accountable. So when they die, they are not held accountable if they did not receive the message. Because Allah is just. Would it be just to punish someone who have no idea about the message? It wouldn't be. So what will happen to those? The Prophet told us in a hadith that if those people will be tested... Like the, and they will be tested the same way as the people that were, so for example, if someone was blind and deaf, if someone was uh, disabled in, in a way that they couldn't understand the message, on day of judgment, those people they will be given an opportunity to obey to worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and Allah will test them, and then as a result of that test, they will end up in Jannah or in Hellfire. In other words, everyone is given a chance to believe, everyone is given a chance to to follow. Does that make sense? Barakallahu feek. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.